God Conversations with Tanya Harris. So, let me ask you that question. What does God tell me? <laughs> well, you know, thunder, lightning. <laughs> Mother Teresa, someone asked her, when did God speak to you? And she said, whenever he wants. So, essentially, the, the Bible is a, a collection of God Conversations, if you like. I had a vision of a car accident, and I'm sitting on the couch thinking, why have I just seen this? How could I know if God was speaking to me? How could I know that that or that thought was actually just me thinking about, oh, that's that's a bad pizza. Jesus said we'd recognise his voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation. Hearing God's voice may well be the most powerful experience on earth. Think about it. How was the world created? It began with God speaking. How are people healed? It is the word sent forth that overcomes disease and death. How are people saved? It's all made possible through the living word, Jesus, who became flesh to atone for our sin. This is the pattern throughout the scriptures. It all starts with God speaking. Hi, and welcome to the God Conversations podcast. My name is Tanya Harris, and I'm a pastor, practical theologian, author, and the founding director of God Conversations, a ministry that equips you to recognize and respond to God's voice. Well, today's podcast is a very special one. It's the first in a three-part series that features readings from my new book, The Church Who Hears God's Voice, equipping everyone to recognize and respond to the Spirit. I am super excited about this book. It has been 25 years in the making and it's full of lots of theological reflection, stories from my ministry and the findings of my PhD all coming together with the hope that it will help you to hear God's voice. Here's a little excerpt from the trailer. There's nothing quite like hearing God's voice for yourself. You may have heard some stories. A person hears from God and healing flows. Another sees a vision of the future and it unfolds before their eyes. There's a wow factor. God seems so real. People's lives are forever changed. But you may have heard the bad stories too. Broken dreams, divided congregations, and even false cults. History tells the terrible tales of abuse associated with the claim, God told me. So how do we hear God's voice? How do we know it's God? What does hearing the Spirit outside Scripture mean for Scripture itself? And what does all this look like in the life of the church? In my book, I bring history, theology and real life experience from my PhD research together to answer these questions. The Church Who Hears God's Voice provides both a comprehensive theology and a pastoral strategy for building a community where everyone can hear from God in ways that are theologically orthodox and pastorally safe. Jesus sent His Spirit to be His continuing voice on the earth. Every time the Spirit spoke to the early church, disciples were formed, miracles happened, and God's mission was fulfilled. God is still speaking by His Spirit. This book will equip you to continue that mission by being the church who hears God's voice.
It's our prayer that this book is really going to help a lot of people wherever they are, no matter what denomination, no matter what church, no matter what age, no matter what part of the world they come to. The, the goal is really to help people to recognise and respond to God's voice. And it's particularly targeted to church leaders and thinkers as well. So on this podcast, what we're going to do is I'm going to share a reading from chapter one, and it's a particularly focusing on the, the idea of the power of hearing God's voice. It's a little entree before the main meal, if you like. I hope you enjoy. Chapter one. The power of hearing God's voice. The vision that saved a drought-stricken farm. Jared was an Australian farmer facing the worst drought of his life. A sun-bronzed man with a broad smile and buffed muscles from working long hours in the field, he was more resilient than most. But this drought had been wearing him down. With each turning of the seasons, he and his wife waited for the rains to come but they never did. Now the creek beds had become ditches of dust and the green fields a barren brown. Without water, the land laboured to produce a fraction of its normal yield. How could Jared provide for his lively brood of six children? For months, Jared had tried to steward the family's waning resources to eke out a living, carefully tracking supplies and stretching out their savings. But the bills continued to mount. Like many, he had reached the end of his ability to cope. All across Australia, farmers had resorted to suicide as their farms dried out, cattle died of starvation, and hope withered with every sunrise. The fight to stave off depression was a daily one. Then Jared had a dream. In the dream, he saw the paddock in the northeast corner of his property, but it wasn't the usual scene. In place of the dusty plot was a crop of leafy canola, the stalks all rising to a height of 15 to 20 centimetres. Somehow Jared knew that the canola had been sown in dry soil, but for some reason the plants were flourishing. He woke up thinking, wouldn't it be good if it was real? The next day Jared shared his dream with his wife, Emma. Could it be from God? They had never sown canola before, but they knew it to be a high-risk crop. What's more, the seed alone would cost over $35,000, and there was still no sign of rain. Jared turned to his agronomist for advice. Tom was a trusted voice in the region and had a wealth of expertise on his side. His advice was emphatic, but not unexpected. No, Jared should not plant canola. The risk was too high. And yet it seemed like the dream had come from God. After wrestling over it together, Jared and Emma made a decision. They defied the agronomist's counsel, purchased 1,100 kilograms of seed and began planting in the northeast paddock. It took them nearly three days, sowing through the night to cover as much of the 1,000 acres as they could. The paddock was 80% sown when the rain came. Jared and Emma marvelled as the seed took root and grew. Over the coming weeks, the plants rose to the same height as Jared had seen in the dream. His canola field soon became the talk of the town. It produced the finest crop of the year 
and raised 80% of their income at market. That income was the difference between bankruptcy and keeping the farm. It's a simple story, but a profound one. Hearing God's voice saved Jared and Emma's farm. Obeying the Spirit led to a life-saving miracle and the knowledge of a God who is greater than the Australian drought. Yet the pattern of hearing and following God's voice and seeing it manifest is not unusual in biblical terms. The whole narrative of Scripture is a demonstration of the same process. Time after time, God speaks, people respond, and miracles unfold. In this chapter, we look at the power of hearing God's voice. We learn that hearing God's voice has always precipitated the miraculous, both within the Bible and outside it. Then we define what it means to hear God's voice and see that the meaning will vary according to your church tradition. Finally, we discuss how hearing God's voice was understood in Scripture and how the Spirit's outpouring at Pentecost means that we can all hear from God in the same way as the biblical characters. The most powerful experience on earth. How was the earth created? Think about it. It began with God speaking. How are people healed? It is the word sent forth that overcomes disease and death. How are people saved? It's made possible through the living word Jesus, who became flesh to atone for our sin. This is the pattern throughout the scriptures. It all starts with God speaking. According to the prophet Amos, God does nothing without first revealing it. Every act of God in biblical history was preceded by an act of communication. Even Jesus did nothing without first hearing it. It is the words themselves that carry the power. God's words are the vehicle of his authority and the expression of his intent. God's ability to align a downpour of rain with the planting of canola at Jared's farm was contained in his voice. Words from God transmit creative force and have the potential to bring themselves to pass. They are like a fire and a hammer that breaks rock into pieces. Once spoken, they are diligently watched over so that they perform the task for which they were sent. They transcend time, reverse the circumstances and overtake the generations. Their purpose will always be fulfilled, for to fail is to defy the nature of the one who spoke them. The efficacy of divine communiques lies not only in their metaphysical ability. What makes hearing from God even more potent is the disclosure of divine information. As God said to the prophet Jeremiah, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The prophetic experience takes us into the boardroom of the heavenly council where God's plans are divulged. Hearing God's voice gives us insight into what is going on behind the scenes of the natural world. It opens the door to the spiritual realm where we experience the knowledge of God firsthand. Thus, Daniel saw why his prayer was delayed when the angel appeared, and Samuel was able to anoint the next king of Israel when God revealed it to him. Joshua the high priest saw the reason for the attack on the construction of the second temple and the strategy for getting it going again. 
And Paul saw the reason for his pain and how to respond to it. John saw the forces behind the threat of oppression from the Roman Empire and was able to tell the seven churches how to endure it. And Jared saw what seed to plant and when to sow it in line with the coming rains. Divine revelation is necessary for God's purposes to be known on earth. But God doesn't do it alone. Instead, he chooses to involve creation in his plan. God's words become the means through which humanity can partner with him in bringing his plans to earth. Since God is an invisible deity, they become his outstretched arm and the manifest touch of his presence. They are the link from the spiritual realm to the natural, from the non-physical world to the material. When we respond to them, we're empowered to do God's will so that God's presence is experienced firsthand. Like a rocket bursting through the stratosphere, we see intangible truths break into tangible realities. Not only do we witness God's miraculous power, but we also get to know the one who bears it. We know that God is truly among us. Hearing from God not only enlists our participation in the divine plan, it also allows God to work in us. God's words have the power to change us from the inside out. They are sent to save, sustain and heal us. As a light to our path and a lamp to our feet, they guide and direct our lives. Sharper than any two-edged sword, they expose our thoughts and divide our spirits. Like bread to our bodies and food to our souls, they feed, nourish and sustain us. It's not difficult to conclude as the psalmist does, that God's words are sweeter than honey and more precious than gold. As the very source of life, we can't live without them. The impact of love energy. The power of hearing from God is not limited to the pages of the Bible. Today, stories akin to those of David, Samuel, Peter and Paul are seen in churches around the world. Testimony after testimony recalls the power of hearing from the Spirit in the same way as the biblical characters. So potent is the hearing God experience in the contemporary church that it has attracted the attention of sociologists. Of course, As neutral observers, these academics are not making assessments about if God is speaking, since that is empirically impossible. Rather, they're interested in the impact of revelatory experience on people. Their work gives us insight into the power of God's voice in individual lives and the local church community. American scholar Margaret Paloma is well known for her work in this area. A charismatic Catholic, Paloma became interested in spiritual phenomena such as prayer, revival and divine healing early on in her career. Since then, she's completed an impressive raft of studies in the USA and Canada. Her first study in 1989 was with the American Assemblies of God and drew on the revelatory experiences of pastors and congregation members in over 60 churches from 11 different states. These findings were followed up 20 years later in a second study involving 21 congregations with fellow sociologists 
John Green. The findings of both studies are telling. Paloma and Green found that the hearing guide experience made a significant difference to individual lives and was strongly linked to acts of service, such as prayer for healing, giving, and evangelism. That is, people were more likely to offer prayer when someone was ill, forgive people when wronged, give to the poor, and get involved in the community after they had heard from God. This benevolence extended beyond the church into the public arena and avenues of social welfare. An overall increase in church growth was the result. Paloma and Green went on to analyse their findings using a sociological theory developed by American-Russian scholar Peterum Sorokin. They proposed that having a revelatory encounter produces a form of love energy. This energising power, which they termed godly love, came from direct interaction with God. When people experienced this divine love, it energised and expanded their benevolence. As the scholars describe it, interactions in the divine human or vertical relationship provided a love energy that empowered benevolent action in human-human or horizontal relationships. In short, the love energy arising from spirit experience motivated people to love and serve others. The links between hearing God and serving others are not limited to North America. Similar outcomes have been found in studies around the world, including Pentecostal congregations in the UK, Singapore and Hong Kong. Paloma herself found consistent results in North American Episcopalian churches. My own research revealed similar findings, albeit with a far smaller sample. Individuals reported significant change as a result of their spirit encounters. When people heard from God, they were saved, healed and released from addictions. They received hope for the future, insight for day-to-day challenges and new strategies for relationships. They started businesses and ministries. They relocated to different countries and discovered new giftings. The experience often led them to do things they wouldn't normally do. Like Farmer Jared, they saw miracles when they did. After hearing from God, they were never the same. These sorts of findings should not be surprising for Bible-believing Christians. What we see in the sociological studies of the contemporary church was the norm for the Church of the New Testament. The Book of Acts recounts how the Spirit's revelatory activity directed all the main players and became the impetus for the church's expansion. In fact, hearing God experiences were the kickstarter for every major event. They provided the love energy to do God's work often in radical ways. Consider the salvation of Paul after receiving God's message in a vision on the Damascus Road, the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch after Philip received a spirit directive, Peter's call to the Gentiles after his vision on the rooftop, and the outreach of the Jerusalem church after a famine was prophesied by Agabus. 
Then there was the commissioning of Saul and Barnabas as prompted by spirit leading, the launch of the mission to the West after a dream, and the perseverance of Paul following the Spirit's encouragement in Corinth, Rome and Jerusalem. Time and time again, the Spirit spoke and the works of God followed. As American missiologist Craig Van Gelder observed, the Spirit was doing the work of changing lives and transforming communities. New types of communities were being created, leaders were being appointed, lives were being sanctified, and people were being led into active gift-based ministry to confront principalities and powers in the world. In each case, the Spirit was initiating and guiding the process. Growth came when people heard from God. I hope that that gets you excited. It certainly gets me excited hearing about the power of God's voice. I hope you enjoyed this excerpt from the first chapter of my new book, The Church Who Hears God's Voice. Hearing God is so powerful because God's words are powerful. Scripture presents this experience as central to God's plan all the way through. That means we're called to listen to what the Spirit is saying to us. This is what this book is all about. And I encourage you to get your copy now available wherever you are in the world. You can grab a hard copy or an ebook. Go to godconversations.com forward slash books and you'll find how to get it there. Well, bless you today. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to talking to you next time on God Conversations with Tanya Harris. Take care. Thanks for listening to God Conversations with Tanya Harris. Don't miss the next episode by subscribing to the show on your favorite podcast app. And remember, the Holy Spirit was given so we could all hear God's voice. It was never meant to be a one-way conversation.